have a seat. All right. Grateful for the love of Christ who in perfect obedience to the Father came and died that brutal death on the cross that we remembered in communion. And with his heart on the Father and obedience on the Father, he also displayed the greatest amount of love that we could ever imagine. And so we're grateful for that. And it is exciting again to be here celebrating the risen Lord with with you all, Charles River Church, this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to continue in worship, but the way we're going to worship now is we're going to worship with pure hearts as we look at the Word of God. And so if you have a Bible, take it and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and maybe you grabbed a Bible on your way in if you forgot to bring one. And if you didn't grab a Bible on your way in, our ushers are just going to kind of come down the aisles, and you can just kind of slip up your hand, and they'll give you a Bible. So, uh, They'll come down and you just slip up your hand if you need a Bible. And if you don't have your very own Bible at home, you can just keep this one considered our gift to you. We'd love you to break that bad boy in, wear it in, and, uh, and it is yours. So use that and use it well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, while you're turning there, I want to make you aware of, of something really important. And that is that we don't have to clean up for God. We don't have to get our act together before God will come in and, and give us a new heart and change us. We don't clean up for God. God comes and he finds us where we're at. And so we praise God for that. However, God doesn't want to leave us where we're at. He wants to take us and bring us to places that we would have never have imagined. He wants to take us and to transform us. The Bible calls it sanctification. He wants to make us more and more and more into the image of Christ and holiness. And so uh, as a part of that, our heart here at the church is that you would constantly be growing. And there's really two major things that we would encourage you to plug into to go deeper in your walk with God. One is what we call connection groups. And connection groups are small groups. And we have a dream that we'd have connection groups all over the city. And currently we just have a few of them. And if you look inside your river guide, there's information on the contact people for those connection groups. Or if you'd rather us contact you, you can check that off in the connection card. But we would just encourage you to get plugged into one of those. They're not intimidating at all. And there's always food there, and so that's a plus, right? We're going to get together with people, study the Bible, and have a good time and eat a little bit of food. And so we'd encourage you to get plugged into a connection group. And the other area that you can go with your next step is joining what we call a REACH team. And a REACH team are teams of volunteers who come together to go out into the community to serve and then also to make some stuff happen here at the church, like the children's program, like shaking hands, like some of the technical stuff. So if you'd be interested in being plugged into one of our REACH teams, you can also take that connection card and just check what you're interested in, and we'll get a hold of you and and talk to you a little bit about that. But we want to encourage you to take those necessary next steps so that you can plug in here and that you can grow in your walk with the Lord. I just want to enter into now a time that we call our pastoral prayer. We have a dream that someday down the road we'll have elders up here praying as well. But for now, it's me. So uh, let me pray for you guys, all right? God, we thank you so much for this time. God, we thank you that you are, are birthing a church here in West Roxbury, in the western communities, neighborhoods of Boston. And God, we pray that this church would have deep gospel roots, that it would impact this place like we have never seen before. Lord, I pray that you would do a great work here, that you would change lives, you would encourage hearts, and you would grow people in Christ's likeness. And God, we just commit this church to you. And this morning, I want to commit these people to you. I thank you that they've come. I thank you for their support. And Lord, I pray that you would bless them. And Lord, I know that you want to bless them by extending your hand of grace as we sing about. And Lord, we thank you for the grace that was displayed on the cross. We thank you for the grace in the resurrection. We thank you for the grace that we breathe in every 
single day of the week. So, Lord, we just thank you for that. And, God, we know that you are sovereign over all creation. And you're in control. And we trust in you for the future of this church. We trust in you for the future of every single life in this room. I know that people in this room are coming with, with different things that are heavy on their heart. Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's a, a job issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a relational conflict. God, I just commit them to you. Lord, I pray that they would look at those, those issues in their hearts and their lives through the lens of Scripture. And Lord, I pray that you would just move in their hearts and be with them and grow them through those trials. God, we thank you so much for the resurrected, risen Christ and what that means, the implications of that in our lives. And God, I pray that we would be people who live in that resurrection power. And Lord, we just commit this time to you this morning. To you. We pray that you would illuminate your scriptures to our hearts. And so we commit it to you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, massively important Sunday in Christian history. It's a massively important Sunday for the history of this young church. It's our first worship gathering, and again, we are so thankful that you have come. And I just want you to know our heart here is that we would gather like this, and as the scriptures say we are to do, that we would study the word, we would be devoted to the teachings of the apostles, God's teaching as recorded in the scriptures, that we would worship God together in Hebrews chapter 10. We would spur one another on so that we could then scatter into the world, into our communities, and to make a difference. And so what we do here every week is we gather, and then we leave the doors and we scatter. And we gather and we scatter and make a difference. Gather and scatter. And this morning, we gather, and we gather to celebrate the risen King Jesus. And so look with me, if you will, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8 for starters here. We're going to go through this passage very quickly. I think it's very resurrection-appropriate. Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, and I also believe that he's, he's speaking to us. This is very applicable to us this morning. So let's read verses 1 and 2 for starters. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And so here's what he's saying. He's saying the gospel. Gospel means good news. He says, I'm here to remind you of this. The gospel, the good news, that God in the flesh, Jesus, came to earth to live the life that we couldn't live, to die the death that he didn't have to die, that we deserved, he died for us. And he says, I will give you my righteousness, and I will give you life if you will trust in that, if you will place your faith in that and that alone. And so that's the gospel, and Paul says, I'm here to remind you of that, and I here this morning hope to remind you of the gospel, and that's the good news, that, that Jesus executed justice, and he provided salvation for us to the glory of God and for the good of man. And so the gospel Paul is concerned with here, it's freeing, it's liberating. Let's read on now. Look at verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. We'll stop there. In other words, he's saying, please don't miss this. This is of first importance. This is a big deal. It's like Paul's waving his proverbial arms and he's saying, you've got to get this. You've got to get this. This is absolutely huge. Don't miss it. Here's what he says, verses 3 through 8. Delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Don't miss this. That Christ died for our sin in accordance with the scripture. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. 
most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And so these verses, technically verses 3 through 5, but we'll add uh, through the the verses all the way to 8, just for the sake of understanding the appearances of Jesus. But these verses, verses 3 through 5, are the first creed of the Christian church. And Paul lets us know that this is a creed. We see the creedal nature of these, these few verses here based on the fact that Paul says, I delivered to you what I received. I delivered what I received. It's a set of truths that are being handed off, and they're being handed off to you again today. And, and we know that it was a creed also. It has this kind of fourfold nature. And he says that Christ died, that Christ was buried, that Christ raised on the third day, and that he appeared to many. And so we see this creedal nature here. And this creed was this summary of the foundational truths of the early church. It was this very, very important summary. And, and when they made this creed, they made it very short, very concise, very memorizable in four parts so, so that people could, could memorize it so it wouldn't be forgotten and so that it wouldn't, Da Vinci Code style, be distorted. We don't want this forgotten. We don't want this distorted. And so we're going to teach it. We're going to recite it. And here we are 2,000 years later. The creed is recorded in our scriptures. And we're looking at it again this morning because it's truth. See, culture changes, but truth doesn't change. Truth is truth. And, and, and we're grateful for that. And the four points of the creed, look at them again. Christ died for our sins, my sin, your sin. Think about that. The second point, Christ was buried. In other words, he really did die. He was buried. He was wrapped in a hundred pounds worth of linen after being beaten and flogged. Some people just die from the flogging alone. After being tortured, after having a hole shoved through his heart and then put in shock in this cold cave. Some people would say, oh, he just swooned. No, he would have been in shock. He would have died in the cave. I mean, he was he was dead he was buried and then it says verse three he was raised on the third day if you don't believe it he appeared to many he appeared to many and so paul is saying verse three i delivered this stuff to you as of first importance this is is huge in other words i've taught you all kinds of things as the guy who started this church paul says he started the church at corinth he says i taught you all kinds of things but this stuff is of first importance it's a really big deal because without it Everything that Paul taught, without it, everything that I teach you has no credibility. Because the God that we're talking about, the God that we worship, he's still in the grave. He's dead if this stuff isn't true. And so Paul says, yes, we really believe Jesus died. He was really buried. He really resurrected. And he really appeared. And if you don't believe that, go talk to those people. That's why Paul points out, he says, most of whom are still alive. They're still alive in his time. He says, go talk to them. If he and he and her and him and his uncle, all those people who saw him alive, say, no, that's, that's not what happened, then, then he wasn't really resurrected. But he says, talk to them. Hundreds of people, hundreds of people. This is a big deal. Paul is saying, listen, you've got to get this. It is of first importance. Now let's skip down a few verses. I just want to point out two quick verses here. And listen to what Paul says after the creed. This is really important to some Corinthians. who They were struggling with the concept of resurrection. They're, they're coming to church. They're engaging in this worship and they're, 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 they're talking about the Lord. But they were kind of struggling with the concept of resurrection. The resurrection we're here to celebrate. But look what Paul says to them. Verse 14, he says, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. 
and your faith is in vain. He goes on, look at verse 19 now. He says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. I love this. I absolutely love this. Paul is saying, listen, I'm going to save you some breath. I'm going to save you some time. I'm going to save you your Sunday morning. I'm going to save you some energy. He says, listen, here's the deal. If Christ did not rise from the dead and he's still in the grave, then what are we doing? I mean, are we, are we serious right now? If Christ is still in the grave, or are, are we serious about this? This is, this is ridiculous. I mean, we, we gather to sing about and to pray to and to study about somebody that we really don't believe in? He says, this is, this is crazy. He also says, our faith is futile. And he says, if, if Jesus is still in the grave, we of all men are most to be pitied. Why, why are you engaging in this if you don't really believe in this? You really don't believe in this? If Christ didn't, didn't rise from the dead, you're going to come and engage in this? Paul is, is so serious. And so, yes, we here, we really, we really, really, really believe in this. We want to build our lives on this year-round, year-round, not just Resurrection Sunday, year-round. And this time of year, this time of year, it's interesting how all the hype starts to come out about Jesus. And everybody starts to get excited about Jesus, and the media gets excited about Jesus. And you, you may notice on the news this time of year, all the, the specials come out about Jesus, all the programs come out about Jesus. Jesus, the magician. Jesus, the man out of Egypt. Jesus and his face, the shroud of Torin. And this, they, they say they maybe found the, the, the linens that wrapped Jesus. And if you take the linens from around his face and you flatten them out, you can see these impressions. And if you put them on your computer, you can 3D it and you can see what Jesus looks like. And what it leads to is all these people saying, well, then that's what Jesus looked like. And, and this is what he said. And this is who he was. And we start to talk about, about Jesus and we start to get excited about Jesus, but only this time of year. Only this time of year. And my heart is that as you, as you leave these doors today, no matter where you're at in your walk with God, and no matter where you stand in your relationship to Jesus, my heart is that you would leave saying, you know what? Those people really believe this stuff. I mean, they really believed it. I mean, they were worshiping to Jesus. They, they really believed it. Because listen, if, if we don't believe it, what are we even, what are we even doing here? And so all this talk about Jesus and all these people are getting excited about Jesus. The media is getting in on, on the Jesus thing this time of year. And Discovery Channel's got their, their, their episodes. And everything's excited about Jesus in this time of year. And they start to say, here's what Jesus was all about. This is what Jesus must have said. And they start to misquote him. And they start to twist him. And they start to distort him and take him out of context. And they start to build for you, for us, you know, we're suckers as we watch TV, start to build for us this convenient Jesus. And most often, this convenient Jesus for us ends up being Jesus who was a good man, he was a great teacher, and he was a specialist in morality. That's all he was. That's what the, the media will begin to tell us. And the problem with this is Jesus himself. I mean, have those people ever actually read the Bible? Because if you read the Bible, if Jesus was just a good teacher, some of the stuff he says, he wasn't a good teacher. I mean, he was a phenomenal teacher if he's a teacher and he's God. But if he's just a teacher, he's not a good teacher because he's saying things like, I am God. And if he's not God, that's not a good teacher. That's a liar. 
If he's, if he's not God and he's just a good teacher and he says, I am the only way to heaven, he's not a good teacher. If he's, if he's a good teacher and, and a good teacher alone, he says, you have to follow me. You need me. You need me. That's not a good teacher. That's a, that's a deceitful teacher if he's not really God and he's just a teacher. And so they misquote him and say he's just a good teacher. And I think C.S. Lewis handles this the best. Maybe you've heard this line from C.S. Lewis. He says, Jesus was either a lunatic, he was a liar, or he was Lord. He's either a lunatic, a liar, or he's Lord. He was either this guy with really good intentions, but he was crazy. Or he was this guy who just flat out lied to everybody. Or he really was Lord. He really was who he said he is. And so he was Lord, and he was this phenomenal, phenomenal teacher. And so this time of year, everybody says, let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you what Jesus was all about. He was a good man. He was a great teacher. He was a very specialized guy in morality and they start to try to explain him they start to kind of try to to eulogize jesus you've been to the funerals where people eulogize people and you know they always kind of make it a little little better than it actually was you've been there right and people try to eulogize jesus say this was jesus this is what jesus was it's as if we're trying to write the the epitaph on jesus's tombstone notice this one is blank just imagine some of the things that people say, I want to write on Jesus' tombstone. This is, this is what Jesus was. Jesus was love. Jesus was only a good teacher. Jesus teaches us how to interact with people. And these things may be true, but there's more to it. He was, he was Lord. And so we start to write the epitaph on the tombstone of Jesus. And I want you to notice, as some of us studied last week, Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, he was at the height of his celebrity. He had all these crowds following him. All these people were saying, we want to follow Jesus. We, we've heard about what Jesus did with Lazarus. I mean, dead for four days, that's crazy. I want to see Lazarus, and I want to see Jesus. And so everybody's following Jesus, and they're ready to be around Jesus. And, and Jesus says, guys, i got to go. I'm going into Jerusalem. I have some business to take care of. And even those people who deny the miracles of Jesus, they cannot deny the fact that he had a crowd. I mean, he had a crowd of people following him. And if you think about any celebrity, any person who's got a crowd, whether it be a, a, a movie star or it be this great musician or whether it be a, a, a religious leader, anybody who's got a crowd, when they die, where they're buried, there is a shrine. And everybody builds this shrine on top of their burial site. And, and they come there, and they remember, and they think about them, and they protect it, and they make sure that nobody touches the burial site for devoted fans. And I know that Jesus lost a lot of his following this past week and that week after his triumphal entry because he wasn't the military leader that they expected, because he wasn't the, the, the religious um, leader that they exactly wanted him to be, because he didn't go into Jerusalem and whip up on Rome. And so he did lose some of his following, but he still had a following. He still had a following. And you think if Jesus died and was still in the grave, don't you think there would be a shrine that was preserved? I mean, you think about it. Pharaohs have shrines that are still around today. Elvis has a shrine, for crying out loud. Gandhi has a shrine. Muhammad has a shrine. If I die, I just want you to put a ping pong table right over top of my grave and remember me like that, right? All these, all these shrines to people who had a following. But listen, there's no shrine for Jesus. There's no shrine for Jesus because there is no longer a gravesite with his remains in 
No longer. Because Jesus conquered the grave. He resurrected. And so until the end of time, people will eulogize Jesus. Jesus was this. Jesus was this. Jesus was this. And I need us to know that we do not have a tombstone Jesus. We do not have a tombstone Jesus. No monument is necessary. Scriptures say that we, the church, are built upon the foundation, and we are the monument. Scriptures make it very clear that we build up a spiritual house, and that we are responsible for the legacy of Christ, the reputation of Christ on this earth. And so there is no shrine necessary because there are no remains of Jesus because he resurrected and he conquered the grave. And so you've got to know that we do not have a tombstone Jesus. You can't go visit it. We do not have a tombstone Jesus. Instead, this is what we have. We have a cornerstone Jesus. We don't have a tombstone Jesus. We have a cornerstone Jesus. We have a Jesus to whom we can build our lives upon. He is our cornerstone. He is our foundation. He's our foundation. I want to look at some scripture this morning, and I think it's very, very important for us to see that Jesus is not a tombstone. Jesus is a cornerstone. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Here's what it says. It says, No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's a solid rock. He's the one we're here to worship. He's our cornerstone. We rest everything on him. He's our foundation in modern terminology that we would build our lives upon. And this morning, I just want to invite you to build your life Upon him. 1 Corinthians 3.11 No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid which is Jesus Christ. You hear that? Jesus, the foundation, has been laid. And we can't build it. We can't build it. It is laid. It is set before us. And he says, I'm it. I've made the way. And I offer myself to you. I am stable. You can build your life upon me. God created a foundation. So he looked down into this earth and he sees our, our, our state, our sin, our struggles, and that sin, it's killing us. It's destroying humanity, both physically and, and spiritually. He sees that and he says, I, I know the solution. There's really only one solution. I've got to go down there. I've got to become one of them and I've got to die. Because he is infinitely holy and he is the life giver. He breathed life into us. And the natural result of turning from the one who is the the breather of life, the giver of life, the natural result of turning from him is separation from him. Death. Life giver turned from him equals death. And he says, that's a a problem. And I want to give them them life. But yet they can't live perfectly. They, They deserve that. So I'll come down and I'll live as one of them and I'll live the life they couldn't live. Scriptures say he was tempted in every way we are. Yet he was, he was without sin, undeserving of death, but yet he goes to the cross. You know the story of the cross. As he's hanging on the cross, they begin to mock him. And they begin to joke him. And they say, if you're God, why don't you just hop down off the cross? And Jesus in his heart is saying, I'm not jumping down off this cross. I must endure this cross because I must die. Because I, like a builder, I am laying a foundation. Something solid for them to build their life upon. And so he stayed on the cross, and that's why the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, not as a result of works, it is a gift of God, so that no one, no one can boast. 
get it? It's grace. He says, I build the foundation. No one can lay a foundation other than the one which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Getting what you don't deserve, what you didn't earn, what you didn't build. The foundation. Jesus' work. He says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm the foundation for which you can build your life upon. And, and think about it. What do we do with foundations? With foundations, we put something valuable on top of it. Something that we want not shake. Something that we want to keep stable. That's what we do with foundations. And man, I, I look into this crowd and I think about all of you. And I pray for all of you. I say, Lord, please, I don't want their life to wash away. I want their life to be rested on the foundation, the only foundation, the only thing that is stable into eternity, and that is Jesus Christ. And so I'm praying for you, and I'm praying that today you would give your life to Christ and you would rest on him, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Maybe some of you put your faith in, in all sorts of things. A lot of people have put their faith in the economy. And right now the economy crumbles and people are, people are going nuts. What do I do? My money is gone. My, my retirement is gone. People are going absolutely crazy because the economy has, has washed away. It's gone. It's, it's a mess right now. You can't put your faith in your money. Some people put their faith in a person. Maybe you've put your, your faith in a religious leader in the past. They will let you down. Maybe, maybe you've put your faith in, in, in another person, maybe a relationship, maybe a family member who's, who's let you down. Girls, maybe, maybe some of you put your faith in a man, in a guy. Girls, you can say amen to this, but guys make terrible gods. Terrible gods, right? Guys, some of you maybe put your faith in, in a lady. It doesn't work well. It doesn't work well. Maybe some of us have put our faith in, in another person. Maybe we put our faith in ourselves. I'll tell you what, I, I let myself down all the time. I'll let you down in the future. It happens time and time and time again. We can't put our faith in ourselves because Jesus is the foundation. And know that, that while he was on this earth, no one could find an accusation against him. Pilate, you know the story, Pilate, before going to the cross, Pilate, Pilate says of Jesus, says, I find no guilt in this man. I can't find any guilt in this man. And that's what I want to build my life upon, is a guiltless man. He was perfect. He was flawless. He was and is and will always be the foundation. He will not fail us. That's what I want to build my life upon. His work has been done. And it's before us. Just a few years ago, my wife and I built our house. And I remember going to the architect, and we had all these scrap pieces of paper taped together to this weird puzzle of, a, of a, an idea for a house. And we, we bring it to the architect, and we say, okay, here's what our house is going to look like. He says, yeah, that's not going to work. Okay, let's do this. No, you're actually going to need a roof there, okay? And so he's, he's, he's walking us through the house a little bit. And, and, and showing us what we can do. And we had all these ideas, and we said, okay, do we want crown molding or no crown molding? We had all these options. Do we want uh, linoleum or do we want tile? Do we want carpet or do we want hardwood? And we had all these options. But just imagine if at the end of our conversation, I said, okay, I love it, but I want to go bigger. Let's make the house bigger. And what we've got to do to go bigger is we've got to cut back a little bit. And so, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking maybe the way we can cut back is let's build this beautiful house, but let's just not do a foundation. Obviously, I wouldn't say that, right? He would say, are you kidding me? Listen, here's the deal. No foundation, no house. And it sounds exactly what Paul is saying here. He says, no, Jesus, you have no foundation. And if you have no foundation, you have a life. It might feel secure now, but it will not last. It will not last into eternity. If you have no foundation, it's going to crumble. And as I pray for you, I pray, Lord, pray that they would rest their, their lives on the foundation of Jesus. And you all need to hear this that life apart from Christ.
price is destined to crumble. It is destined to crumble. And you can go through it. And at times it may feel like it's all together. You will find that it will not last. And it will not last into eternity. If I'm going to build my house with my life savings and a mortgage and some debt, I'm going to build it upon a foundation. I'm going to build it upon a foundation in the same way our lives. We've got to build them on a foundation. The Bible says that our lives are but a vapor. But God says, I can make your life last into eternity. It can have deep meaning into eternity. If you will build it on a solid foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. The Bible takes the truth a little further. We'll close with this passage. Can you turn to 1 Peter chapter 2? 1 Peter chapter 2, we'll look at verses 4 through 8 here. It says there's one foundation. All of us, all of us will interact with this foundation at some point in our lives. But the question is, how will we interact with it? How will you interact with the foundation? Let's read it. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 8. It says, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. See, we're the monument. A holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him, that's faith, that's resting in him, will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. For those who do not believe, the stone which the builder rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And so let's kind of recap that together if we can. The call is to build your life on Jesus, the foundation, the, the cornerstone. And the Bible says here that he was the stone that many builders rejected. He was the foundation that, that many builders rejected. He was a rock of stumbling then for them and a stone of offense. And here's what the Bible is illustrating. It says, listen, there are two ways that your life can play out. Two ways. One is you can look at Jesus, you can examine Jesus, and you can reject him. See, it says that he was the, the stone that the builders rejected. As, as builders in those days were, were checking out the cornerstone, the appropriate stone for, for them to build a house upon it, you would imagine they're trying to find the right stone. Maybe they're chiseling it. They need to find just a flawless stone, one that is stable, and they're checking it, and they're, they're trying to make sure they understand if this is appropriate, and they're, they're looking at it. And, and what they'll do with some stones, they'll say, nope, this isn't the one, and they'll just kind of reject it, and they'll say, ah, I don't need that, and they'll just forget about it. And they'll just set it aside. You know, rocks don't move, do they? Big rocks don't move unless we move them. They stay right there. And so what happens in our lives so often is we say, I reject you, Jesus. I don't need you, Jesus. Maybe we don't verbally say that. Maybe we don't even have intentions to reject Jesus. But our lifestyles make it very clear. We are rejecting Jesus. So we push him aside. And what happens is we just go around and we start getting busy in our lives. We start doing our thing. And we start raising our children after marriage. And, and then we start to focus on the kids and grow them up well and get involved in sports. We send them off to college. We're focused on retirement. We're trying to create an inheritance for our children. We're just busy. We're running around. We're just ignoring Jesus. And we're doing all, all that we do in our lives, all the things that, that make you busy, all the things that distract you. And you're just running around and you're, you're, you're busy and you're flying through life. But Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says, be careful. Be careful means slow down because you're gonna, you're gonna, this is going to go bad for you. 
It's going to go bad for you. So we get busy and we're running around. And the Bible says that the builders get busy and they ignore the stone that they had once examined. But now they've put aside and they, they're doing their thing. But what's going to happen is as you're busy and you're not looking around, your eyes are on the future or anything else but Jesus. You're doing your thing. And then all of a sudden, smack, you trip over the stone. And it says that the stone which the builders once rejected becomes a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Because Jesus doesn't move. He says he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And he says, I love you. I accept you for who you are. And I have a great plan for you. And I'm here. I'm right here. You think you're further than me, to, further from me than you have ever been in your life. But I'm right here. I love you. I want you. I want to change you. I want to do a great work in your life. And you say, no, 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 no. You just ignore him. He's right there. He's right there for you this morning. And if you reject him and you get busy in life and you ignore him, what will happen, the scripture says, that he will become a stone of stumbling for you. And I just pray, Lord, don't let these people trip over you. Lord, may they accept you this morning. That's my heart. It's my heart. You know, in in scripture, in Matthew 7, 28, Jesus says, for those who reject the stone, for those who reject Jesus, it says that great will be your fall. You've heard their story. There's, there's, there's two different ways. Uh, you could build a house. You could build your house upon the sand. And the rains will come. And the flood will come. And the winds will come. And it will be washed away. Or the builder could build his house on the rock. And all of that will come. But it will not be washed away. But for he who is built on the sand, it will fall. And great will be its fall, the scripture says. So option number one is set Jesus aside. Ignore him. Get busy in life, and great will be your fall. I mean, great will be your fall. Eternal will be your fall. And that fears me for you because I love you and care about you and because I know Jesus loves you and he cares about you. He says, I'm right here. I'm right here. Here's the other option. You can build your life on Jesus. You can build your life on Jesus, and you can say, you know what? Jesus, I've examined you. I'm not mindlessly buying into this. I I really want to examine you. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, Seek me and find me. You will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. God, that's a promise from God. He says, you will find me. So examine me. Okay, God, are you real? I don't want to just mindlessly buy into this. Let me examine this. Are the, are the scriptures, do they have credibility? Do they have historicity? Can I really believe in this? Did Jesus really appear to hundreds of people? Examine him as the builders examine him. But you're different. You're going to say, you know what? I build my life on Jesus. I rest it all on Jesus. All on Jesus. That's faith. You will hold me up, Jesus. You will not fail me. You are not weak. You are not shaky. I am yours. You are mine, and I build it all on you. It's like you're playing poker, and I'm all in. It's all, it's all you. I'm, I'm resting it all on you. This is maybe some of us we think we're in. We're kind of doing this, and you can't really put all your weight on Jesus if you're doing this number. Some of us are running through our lives, and we're kind of dancing around Jesus. And maybe, maybe on Sundays, it's, all right, Jesus, here we are. Woo. And then it's, it's, it's Easter Sunday, and you're kind of like, ooh, boom. And, and we're kind of doing our thing all around life, and we're getting excited about Jesus periodically. And we're kinda, we think we're building our lives upon him, but we're not building our, our, our solid lives upon the solid rock, and we're resting it all on him. And so I, I just want to challenge you. You need to understand, am I really building it all on Jesus? Or am I kind of halfway on and halfway off? So Jesus says in Scripture, he says, you cannot serve two masters. It's kind of like when you're straddling a fence. Guys, that's not very comfortable, is it? 
straddling a fence is not a good place to be. And Jesus says, all in or not. All in or not. Option number one is you may reject him. You will become a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Or you may say, I, I want to build my life upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Jesus who has conquered the grave. Jesus who has resurrected from the dead. Jesus who is no longer this tombstone. No, he is a cornerstone. He is solid. And he says, listen, I will not fail you. I will not fail you, Jesus says. Follow me. Put it all in with me. Trust in me. And you will be victorious eternally. And you will have what the Bible calls the abundant life. Now, it doesn't mean life will be easy. But it means that when the winds come, and the trials come, and things get shaky. And believe me, contrary to what some TV preachers say, life will get shaky. It will get rough, but it doesn't matter because you know what? Ultimately, you will be victorious because you are identifying and building it all upon the resurrected Jesus. This is Resurrection Sunday. And so the call this morning is will you build your life on Jesus? Some of you, will you stop playing hopscotch with Jesus and jumping on and off the rock? Will you build it all on Jesus? Jesus. Would you guys close your eyes? Please just close your eyes. And, and nothing real spiritual about closing your eyes. All I want you to do is, is have the distractions out of the room. I just want you to think about your life. I want to give you the opportunity now to respond to the call of Jesus on your life. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. That not of yourselves. So you don't earn this. So that no one can boast. You can't boast. You didn't build the foundation. I built it. I present it to you, Jesus says. I want to give you the option of resting your life on me. He gives you that option this morning. Maybe you just need to say, Jesus, I want to, I want to bank it all on you. I want to make you my foundation. I'm ready to build my life on you. Today, Lord, I place my faith in you so that you may save me, saving faith, build a lifelong relationship with you. While your eyes are closed, if you, if you understand this and you say, you know what, I've never placed saving faith in Jesus. I never banked it all on Jesus, rested it all on Jesus. Not on my work, on Jesus' work. This morning, I would encourage you to do that. And you can lift up a prayer to God. And you can say, God, today I want to give my life to you. Put my faith in you. I trust in you to save me. I trust in you to make me right. I trust in your death, your burial, and your resurrection to give me life. I turn from being my own master. I want to make you my master. So let me just give you a second. In the best way you know how, would you just whisper that to God? If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, this morning is the morning, and I want to encourage you to do that. Just lift up a prayer to God and say, God, I place my faith in you alone this morning. Thank you for this gift. Place it in you. You can pray. best decision a person could ever make because Jesus will never fail us. Keep your eyes closed. Some of you in here, you're a Christian. You'd say, you know what? I'm looking around and it's as if, as if I'm about to jump off. As if I don't really rest it all on Him. Maybe some of you in here, you thought you were a Christian, but you're dancing around. You're not really building it all on the foundation. He says, you will follow me and I will be your Lord. In John 10, 28. 
Maybe you're not really resting on him. I would just encourage you this morning, maybe you need to talk to God in prayer. Maybe as we sing this next song, you just need to deal with the Lord. Let me pray for us. God, we just thank you so much that you laid the foundation by dying on a cross. We have no shrine to go to because you're alive. You say, trust in me. Holy, perfect, living God. The one true God. God, I pray that we would build our lives upon you. Where we just commit our weeks to you, our lives to you. Pray that we would be the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeah. 